there's no reason for me to be paying money I shouldn't be paying. More on this in this episode of Stationed with Stories. Station with Stories. That's it. (gasps) All right. You are listening to Stationed with Stories. I am your host, Kalisha Hollis-Jesse. And before we get into it, y'all, let me just let you know that these are my thoughts. My thoughts, my thoughts, my thoughts. And they do not represent or reflect the positions, opinions, or views of the U.S. Armed Forces in any way. All right, y'all. Now that we have that out of the way, hi, peeps. We are here. We're moving in this year of 2023. And the books are good, y'all. The books that I have been reading have been good. So let's just jump into this as we always do. And and just in case, just in case you are new to the podcast, this is Station with Stories and we do everything stories, y'all. I love to read. I have a story for y'all always as a military spouse. And I also love to share my flash fiction or other short pieces with you. So we always start off with what I have just read. And y'all, this was a wild book, a book that I probably would not have picked up had it not been for the fact that it was part of a book club book. And I promise I read other books too, but I am currently in two book clubs, two and a half book clubs. I have another book club that's starting back up this month, my family book club, my mom and my sister and I, we read books together and we took a little break, but we're starting back up. So there's three book clubs. Y'all, there are typically only four weeks in a in a month, right? Three book clubs, four weeks in a month. So you do the math, okay? I am busy reading these book club books, but um, I'm looking forward to them always because there's some interesting books that these groups are selecting. So this book is called The Lost City of the Monkey God by Douglas Preston. Now, when I first heard the name of the book, I'm like, what? What kind of fantasy book is this? What kind of odyssey book is this? No, this is nonfiction, okay? Nonfiction book. It came out in 2017. It, it Real life. The story happened in real life. In my three words, adventuresome, historical, contentious. All right. So like I said, this is not a fantasy book. This is not some type of odyssey going on an adventure type of book, but it is adventuresome. Now, really quickly, the book is about rediscovering ruins in Honduras and the team of scholars, archaeologists, writers, photographers who find these ruins. Okay. Now, It is adventuresome. I mean, just the title itself. I'm like, the lost city of the monkey god. What? It is adventuresome. Now, the the part about adventure is actually a pretty small part of the book, okay? The actual expedition does not take up that much space in the book, all things considered. But the author takes you on a journey of, of of about 100 years. You know, he really covers the 20th century and the legend of this 
white city or the city of the monkey god. There's this this legend, right, for people in Honduras and the just in that general area about this lost city of great wealth and prosperity and having lost all of that. And there's a plague basically that inflicts people who go to this area if you go to the area so all the locals stay away from this area right so there's there's a a history of legends that these scholars come upon and they're really interested they want to find out about this lost quote-unquote lost city so it's adventuresome because not only do you get a chance to go on the expedition with the writer who was included and the writer was hired by National Geographic to write an article or, or multiple articles for National Geographic, but later, of course, we have this book that he writes. But we also see the failed adventures and misadventures and up and up lies of some people who went in this area or not even exactly in the area, but went to Honduras on expeditions to try to find these ruins that no one knew exactly where they were. Okay, so we get that history again to that, but it's adventuresome, right? You're like, oh, okay, we're in the in the jungle and you're seeing these animals and snakes that have really, really serious venom. And if they even spray on you, there's some issues with your health later on. And I mean, you're thinking about all of the things that they're finding, you're seeing it with them. It's adventuresome. It's very exciting. The second word I say was historical because yes, historical. There are a lot of things I didn't know I needed to know when I read this book, okay? A lot to do with Honduras and its history, where it is right now in history, and how it got there just politically, the turmoil, a lot about how it became a hotbed for drug traffickers, and a lot of how the U.S., interfered and meddled in the affairs of some of the top officials in Honduras making deals, side deals, under the table deals in order to extract bananas, for example. I did not know that I need to know about the history of Honduras and bananas to understand how a lot of corruption happened between leaders in Honduras and also private citizens, you know, multimillionaires who were doing business in Honduras from America, okay? So really interesting, really interesting political, historical. Also, we talk about just trade and that all of that is part of this book and part of the story that the author weaves to make sure you understand where Honduras is now and what type of political relations are present between the U.S., and Honduras, and why it is that way. And a lot of those expeditions, right, in the past 100 years, really relied on these private citizens, these people who were looking for the fame of finding this quote-unquote lost city. And you just learned, and a lot of it was lies. Like, that was just fascinating just to read about that history, about the history of the legacy and the legend of the lost city, quote unquote lost city. I keep saying quote unquote, but I'll get to that in a second. And then the legend of 
the city of the monkey gods or the the white city. So there's that. Very historical, very interesting for someone who loves to learn things like me. Oh, it's very interesting. The last word is contentious. Contentious because the the whole excavation process. First, I, I will start with even before the excavation, which I believe is ongoing because this book was written and published rather in 2017. And obviously many years have passed since then. And at that point, they were still in the very beginning stages of extracting artifacts from this country, okay? And by they, I mean, I have to be really clear that there are many parties that are involved, both from the Honduran side and from the U.S. side. And so obviously these are Honduran artifacts are not leaving the country, at least not at that point, point, not as the writer writes it. It's really a team effort to learn more about this civilization that has not been written about yet. This is not, you know, a civilization that anyone understands yet. And so it was really important for the team to be to be very diverse and for the team to be very knowledgeable. Now, the contentious part, one, a lot of what happened once they found or refound, rediscovered these ruins that are about 500 years old is that the archaeological community, oh, they went bananas, okay? Went bananas in discrediting how the... The work took place, how they discovered the area, how they started to look and probe and dig around to figure out what was there, if something was there. And once they did find actual evidence and the artifacts that are there covered in a very, very dense rainforest in Honduras, there were so many scholars, archaeologists specifically, who discredited their work. Okay, so... And I think this is ongoing. It was very contentious, even the way it was originally written. And the writer does say, you know, once they figured out, hey, this is where it is, the they got all those important people involved at the time who were willing to go in and be in the jungle and the rainforest and figure out how to excavate or how to discover where the actual artifacts were, that people were there, Right. The, they had all the permits. They pulled all the proper permits, according to the author and all of that, right? And the president of Honduras at the time, and they were there in 2015. He was there in 2015. Preston was. He knew all about it, you know, 100% for it. Like, go ahead. This would be great publicity for our country. This is great press for us to have uncovered one of our lost civilizations, okay? So they're doing all this work, but there's so many people who are discrediting them after they make the discovery. And so there was a lot to do with just the who was involved. There were some issues, major issues on who was involved. They felt like the right scholars weren't involved. They discredited the just the the work there. They said that they did not properly cite and and give reverence to the archaeologists who have been in Honduras in that area for many years before they arrived. 
They talked about there not being a credible archaeologist on the research team, the team, the scouting team. I mean, it was just a lot. And also they talked about the importance or the the issue to revere this sacred site that was not discovered. It was not discovered, okay? People lived there. The legend existed because people knew, right? It came from an actual real place, actually historically accurate, right? And of course, legends, they kind of are, they get blown up and they become more mysterious and supernatural a lot of times, but they're rooted usually, right, in some sort of truth. And so there were a lot of people who took issue with how they talked about this lost city and even the use of monkey god, the city of the monkey god, like being racist. And so there's a lot of chatter online and a lot of discrediting their work because of what they would say was insensitive, dismissive, racist, not rigorous enough scholarly in the ter- in terms of being scholarly, it wasn't rigorous enough, you know, what they did. And so that that's contentious, okay? So very fascinating though. The book, once again, is called The Lost City of the Monkey God by Douglas Preston. Came out in 2017. My words for it, adventuresome, historical, contentious. Okay, check it out if you so choose. All right, y'all, moving on to the topic of the day. Coupons, coupon queens. Now, you know, I have talked about being someone who thrifts. And I've talked about how the military spouse community thrifting, at least, at least from the people I'm around. Now, maybe I'm not around everybody, okay? I'm not around everybody, but the people that I've been around, the people that I have met, and even people who I haven't met, but online chatter, being part of so many Facebook groups, right? There are people who are serious about thrifting. I've talked about that though. But people also who are serious about couponing. Now, y'all, do you coupon? I don't know. I don't know if that is something that everyone does. I know that I know that everyone doesn't do it. Okay, let me say that. Let me let me just start there. I know everyone doesn't coupon, but I would say that the military community and finances and just being hyper aware about finances is part of it. Now, I don't mean military, big M military, okay? Lots of money gets spent in the ways that it gets spent, and that has nothing to do with me, okay? But <laughs> little M in military, in terms of military spouses, y'all, we be in these coupons, a lot of us are at least, and very, very conscious of spending, of personal spending. And I wonder, I wonder if part of that is because in terms of salaries and pay and incentives, it's quite, quite transparent, right? So if you know someone's rank, if you 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 know where they live, you know how much money they're getting paid, okay? You know how many years of service they're in. You only need a couple of pieces of information about a person who's in the military in the military to know exactly how much money they are making, okay? And that's from the military. They might have other things. They may have income property. They may have, you know, a trust fund. Who knows, right? You don't know the whole picture, but you 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 have a sense of like how much money they are making. So I wonder if that is maybe possibly part of that whole like being very financially aware in terms of just like being being focused on like 
input output of finances. Okay, just tracking all of that stuff. But in terms of couponing in the military spouse life, y'all, we be kind of met up with these coupons. I'll, I'll I'll never forget. I got to Japan and one of my good friends, she was like, "Hey, do you know about the thrift shop?" Okay, knew about the thrift shop. You know, I I didn't know the hours or anything, but I was I had you know just learned about it around the time, and maybe she was the one who told me. But anyway thrift shop. She said, I have an extra coupon. I said, girl, the thrift shop has coupons. Tell me more. Tell me more. And so she gave me the coupon. She had an extra one. And I went there. And so y'all coupons, so important. The other piece is, especially being abroad, when I was abroad with the military, the commissary and the next, and this is Navy. So the Navy exchange, but you know, the exchange, it was it was very common for people to have coupons there and coupons, you know, right next to the products on the shelves. Now, that is not something that is unique to those spaces, right? You go to many grocery stores and they will have the manufacturer's coupon there. But I just felt like it was so much more prevalent in the commissary to see these coupons and People bringing coupons to the point, y'all, that there was actually volunteer work that you could do by taking coupons, like pages of coupons that I think people would donate to the military bases and clip them and put them into baggies, little plastic baggies, little zip top baggies for shoppers. That was an actual volunteer experience. And I remember when I first got there, they were like, oh, we're looking for volunteers to put together coupons. I'm like, what What are they doing with these coupons? I found out later, y'all, They, the people who volunteered, they had this huge canvas bag where you can grab a little baggie yourself and pick the coupons you wanted. The great part though, being abroad was that, and if you don't know this and you're new to this military spouse life and you are abroad, then I want to say that it's six months that the coupon can be expired for six months and still be valid, still be good. So, you know, for example, if it is May and the coupon expired in February, you can still use that coupon if you are abroad at the exchange or at the commissary. I mean, it was either one or both, y'all. But I know that I used those coupons and... You know, it wasn't something that was new to my life coming into the military, but I know I have become more and more vigilant about it. Just getting those coupons right, y'all, because you know what? There, there's something that I told my mom. I was talking to my mom recently. Her and I went shopping maybe a month and a half ago, and you know, I had my little app out because you know, there. You remember those extreme couponers? There was a a show. Right, and the people would go in and buy like a thousand dollars worth of food and you know paper products and spend seventeen dollars. Like you remember that? You remember that show? No, no, I am not on that level. But I, I will be on my little apps that I learned, especially when you're traveling from place to place, and there are always new grocery stores. I had coupons. When we were stationed back in Newport, 
but it was a totally different grocery chain. You know, I had the little app and I would clip the coupons before I went to the grocery store. Now, you know, when you get stationed so many different places, I'm in a new place. I'm in Washington, not the same chains, but, 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 but the chain, one of the chains here, Fred Meyer, those, if you know, you know, you know, in this area, they are basically the same. I guess they have the same parent company as Kroger. And Kroger, I know, Kroger all through the South, at least when I, where I was in, in Arkansas, right? And even Kroger up North too. I've been to many Krogers and I already had the rewards program. Anyway, the point that I'm making y'all is that once I found that out, I was like, oh, okay. I don't even have to start this from the beginning. I'm just going to use the rewards card, right? The same number and I can transfer it over to this Fred Myers account, getting these coupons y'all. But I say that because I went from Washington back to Arkansas with my mom and I'm using the same app to get these coupons, y'all, because they're different grocery stores, but they are the same parent company. So I'm clipping and I'm clipping. We went to the grocery store and we're just, we're just getting, we're just getting the deals. And I told my mom a little later, I said, mom, there's no reason for me to be paying money I shouldn't be paying. Okay. Okay. And I feel like military spouses, we know that. There's no sense that you should be paying money that you should not be paying to the point where we really do look out for each other when it comes to deals, okay? One of my girls, she said this last weekend, she said, hey, did y'all see that the next, the Navy Exchange, is having their anniversary birthday sale and they have been emailing your coupons out. It's not even coupons. They've been mailing this gift card basically out to you. And you have to use it within this week. The The gift card that they were giving out, it was money. Money. The one that we got, and it was all, I guess, different people got different coupons. It's kind of a lottery selection. But she was like, I got $50 off. Somebody else got more than that. I got $75 off of $75. Y'all, that was free money free money. And I was like, girl, thank you. Because all those emails go to my husband. Okay. I got to fix that y'all because y'all know he, he don't, he, he don't really be thinking about this because he's not a military spouse, but the spouses, we, we be counting the coins. We know where the pennies are going. We're looking around. And so y'all, I just, I'm thankful that she says something. Cause I went back to him a couple of days later. I said, babe, send me, send me what you got. From the from the Navy Exchange, okay? Send me what you got from the next, and I will sort it out from there, okay? Y'all went to the store. I got $75 off of $75, y'all. That's free. That's, that's $75 free, plus two other gift cards that were in the email chain that my husband had and hadn't really looked at it, right? So, yeah, you know, I appreciate the coupon queen's around me in my life who have taught me a thing or two or let me know when something was coming down the pipeline y'all and I take it to that next level I make sure I have my apps when the circulars come if if it comes in the mail I'm looking through that Mm -hmm. I'm looking through it I'm bringing it out we're using these coupons we save this because don't nobody have time to be paying money they should not be paying All right, y'all, let's move on to the last portion of the podcast. I have for you another original. This flash fiction piece is called Drafting the Right Goodbye. Laura opened her desk drawer 
where her faithful yellow legal pad awaited the ink of her thousand-dollar fountain pen from Mont Blanc. She didn't care for the pen, actually. It was just that, as an aspiring writer, Eduardo said she needed to have the right tools. Laura, we're headed to the dining hall. You want to come? Her roommate Ruthie asked. I'll catch up, Laura replied, swiping her auburn coils from her face. It was Thursday night. Eduardo expected her in his hired car tomorrow night, and before she reached that predetermined hour, Laura had to draft a proper goodbye. And she had to make it a good goodbye. She was a writer after all, so the task of putting this breakup on the page daunted her. Like the Mont Blanc fountain pen, you, my dear, are rich but not handsome. No, no, that was too harsh. As your hair has grayed with time, so has our fling lost its vibrant color. Laura struck that line out, too. There's some young girl just waiting for a poppy like you, but I'm afraid I'm blocking her from your view. Ugh, Laura grunted. Spying that fountain pen with suspicion. Finally, she pulled out a blue ballpoint big pen from her desk drawer. Eduardo, I don't want a sugar daddy anymore. I'm through. She put down the ink pen, slipped on her kids, and chased her roommate's path out the door. All right, y'all, I hope that you enjoyed this episode once again. If you have not checked me out, check me out online, stationwithstories.com. Everything is there. Absolutely everything is there. And y'all, give the podcast all the stars on whatever app you're listening to Station With Stories, okay? Give it all the stars. Leave a review. Share. Share. Share share is caring. Y'all know better. Don't you just keep it to yourself. Share Station With Stories. Let people know that you enjoy every Monday, y'all. And I will be back next week. I am your host, Kalisha Hollis-Jesse. Bye, peeps. (laughs) 